Yeah, we don't want anything going nuclear at this point. No. And of course, oh, no. wait, by the way, be, be, before we get carried away here, the title of the this episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show's News of the Week with Jason Cousineau is you, me, and World War Three. Yeah. And across the desk and across the country in an underground bunker in an undisclosed location in Utah is my good friend and rum connoisseur, Jason Cousineau. Das Vidanya. <laughs> you better be careful. I don't want you to get busted for treason. <laughs> and here I am in Ringe, New Hampshire, in an underground bunker of my own. If you're looking, if you want to know where I am, just just follow the mailman with all of these like hat boxes. <laughs> Look for the mailman who's carrying the box with the olive drab fedora in it. So it'll go with the rest of my World War II era apparel, because if we're going if we're going to have a nuclear Armageddon, I'm going to dress the part. And in the background is. The fabulous Mrs. Fisk, who is making a wonderful breakfast for me because um, she's awesome and she's special and she's better than I deserve. And I don't know if she's smiling or grimacing. <laughs> yes, she's, she is both. The answer is yes. Yes, she is both. All of the above. <laughs> so we're not even going to joke about. Uh, what's going on in the news or hey have you heard the news yet or is there yeah. anything interesting happening in the news Jay because it's all over it's horrifying it's horrifying um, there's only one time in my life that I've been this scared uh, and that's when my my wife was almost killed in that car accident yeah I've never because what's the matter she's staring out the window with great concern our our neighbors across the street mm -hmm. have a backhoe and they're digging a giant hole in their yard. And my wife seems to think that it's it's a septic system. And I'm like, no, no, that's an underground bomb shelter, Carol. <laughs> and that's one of the things I had also discovered is that if you actually drain the water and the sewage from your septic tank, that could yeah. serve as an emergency bomb shelter. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. It smells awful. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't recommend it. Show a little show a little backbone, will you? <laughs> it's you know not... I hate snakes, Jock. <laughs> as my, as as my father would say, I don't know what the problem is. It doesn't smell that bad. Get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. But your dad did that just to be contrarian. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, oh you know, the um, um, the hot water tank blew up in my face once. And thank God I was wearing glasses. But it's like I had like, you know, a, a, a burnt like a one degree burn all over my face. And it's like all the hair on my face and my eyebrows, eyebrows and my my, my, my goatee was all singed. And it's like the more I yep. rubbed it, the more it's like the burnt hair came off. And my dad's like, you don't need an emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Dad, my arm's hanging off by a thread. You don't need an emergency room. Just cut the damn thread. And it's funny how it's like my dad sounded just like Alex Jones. I just wanted to make sure that that, you know. <laughs> I've met your dad. I can see why you would sound like Alex Jones. Right. Yeah, it's usually because I'm pissing him off, too. 
Oh my goodness, this is not even the news, folks. This isn't, this isn't even the show. So I have no idea where to begin other than the fact that everything is awful. And that may not... That may not be something that you want to say to your listeners, because this is supposed to be like light, fluffy entertainment or infotainment, as we like to call it. One news story that um, came over the wire over the past couple of days, and this is from February 27th of 2022. This is from AP News. Putin puts nuclear forces on high alert, escalating tensions. And because I don't want our listeners to suffer from severe alcohol poisoning, I'm not going to even try and read the names of the authors of this uh, this news story here. But I'm just going to read these paragraphs here. And if I mispronounce a word, take a shot. President Vladimir Putin dramatically escalated east-west tensions by ordering Russian nuclear forces to put on high alert Sunday, while Ukraine embattled leader agreed to talks with Moscow as Putin's troops and tanks dove deeper into the country, closing in around the capital. Citing aggressive statements by NATO and tough financial sanctions, Putin issued a directive to increase the readiness of Russia's nuclear weapons, raising fears that the invasion of Ukraine could lead to a nuclear war. Whether okay, by, hold on a second. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I do have to ask, when were these sanctions put in place? They are, they are being slowly, slowly. No, 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 no. Not the new ones that happened. Not the new ones. Not the new ones that happened since the invasion. The sanctions previous to the invasion that he's using as an excuse to go in. That's a good question. When Jay. were they imposed on him? Are you, are, are you asking me because you don't know or are you being facetious? Yes. OK, go ahead. Oh, no, wait. I'm asking. Oh, no, we've been we've been slowly putting on um, sanctions on Russia since I think as far back as 2016, when we first went uh, when we when um, Russia first invaded a providence of ukraine back in did i say already 2016 it was 2016 so we've been slowly so notching been six up. years yes and they've been getting more and more strict over the course of those six years exactly right now i'm here's the my issue with with this excuse that he's using right how bad have those sanctions actually been because I've heard from a couple of sources that the sanctions, even though they've been getting tougher, have not been really that restrictive on Russia because well, they've had no teeth. Well, right. Here's, here's the problem. They've always been, there's always been like, well, we're going to impose these tough sanctions on Russia. However, we're going to still allow them to have all these lucrative gas contracts. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering a couple of things about this invasion. First of all, what does Putin hope to gain from this? Well, <laughs> see, right. This is, this is what I love about my life and doing the podcast here at home. While I'm recording, my wife served me breakfast while I'm recording. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So it's great. Right. It's good for me. It's horrible for the listeners. <laughs> Here's, but in all seriousness, no. What, okay, I don't. I don't get what Putin gets from this. Okay, what does Russia have to gain? Let me give you the Fedora Chronicles version 
of the cliff notes, according to Professor Eric Fisk. Okay. Okay. This goes back to as far as 1990. And this is a brief, really distorted history lesson. And this is how I understand the situation. Since the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia has been trying to find its footing. What kind of country does it want to be? It would like to be a Western-style democracy, not unlike the United States. Because with all of its faults, and Jason and I have spent literally years doing this podcast, talking about what we think is wrong with our system. And we know that it's, it, there are aspects to it that, is, that are unfair and that it's, it's a rigged system. It's a rigged game. And that you're expected to play this hand of poker that you're dealt. And the dealer gets to decide which cards you get and is holding like the high cards, like the, the kings, the queens, the jacks, and the aces, and the jokers to themselves. And yet you still have to try and play a decent hand with what you got. Okay. There are some people who are just dealt a bad hand, not just here in the United States, but all over the world, because people are people and leaders are corruptible. And the most corrupted leaders of them all are the ones in Russia who decided that, no, no, we're going to line our own pockets. We're going to take the financial aid that the Western world is giving us to make a more secure country so we won't be the tyrannical forces that terrorized everybody for the past 60 years. And they got richer while the average everyday civilians in Russia got poorer. Meanwhile, Russia is the largest country in the world, landmass-wise. And they have mm -hmm. access to all kinds of resources that the rest of the world, with the exception of Africa and maybe Saudi Arabia, could only dream of having. They have so many natural resources from everything from uranium, heavy metals, and oil, and natural gas. Mm -hmm. And because of this, Russia has been able to sell their natural resources, including oil and natural gas, at rock-bottom prices. And the people who run and own these companies in Russia are getting richer and richer. And the, this problem has only been accelerated since Boris Yeltsin stepped down and this little former KGB agent, Vladimir Putin, stepped into his place. Mm -hmm. And there is a great series of documentaries on PBS Frontline. And I'm going to link to this episode called Putin's Way. And if you want a better understanding of who Putin is and how Putin got to be who he is, watch this documentary. He is surrounded by people who are corrupt. And well, that's how he got into power. Right. Right. Because Yeltsin, Yeltsin, who was the I forget what they call the leader of Russia, but the guy that was in charge ahead of him was actually he had even less support from the public than Joe Biden does. And they had substantial evidence of corruption within his government, including his daughter and son-in-law. Right. And that's how Putin basically came to power is Yeltsin threw him in as 
basically he resigned and, and, and installed Putin. And then there was the apartment building bombings that happened and that kind of solidified popular support for him. And when I say solidified it, meaning his popular support went above 50%. Let's back up here for a second. And mm-hmm. let, let me finish a thought here. Yep. Sorry. And no, well, no, no, you're fine. You're good. It's all good. Um, because Russia is able to sell their products on the world stage, on the world market at rock bottom prices, nobody else can compete with them on price or volume. And that is how Russia has a permanent foothold on the economic system in all of Europe. They're even able to sell oil and natural gas at a price that actually undercuts other countries like Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but you can, I mean, from what I understand of economics, which admittedly is not a lot. Right. You can only do that for so long, right? If you're constantly losing money, eventually you're going to run out of money. They're still making no, really, you they're, are. they're still making a profit, Jay. Oh, okay. They've been making billions of dollars. All right. They're selling it at really, really cheap prices while still making a profit. Okay? Okay. And because they don't have to ship it that far to the other European cu- countries, they actually get to save money. They don't have to put it on tankers and sail it across an ocean or two to get it to where right. it needs to go. They can literally just have a pipe coming right out of and i mean this facetiously they can just have a pipe coming right out of the ground and it goes to wherever it needs to go anywhere all over europe including germany well for for most products yes in the case of natural gas or or oil they can literally have a pipe coming out of the ground and going where they need it to go right it has to be refined first of course we're, yeah that's just it they, they pipe it to a refinery and then the refinery pipes it where it needs to go right and it's, a, you know? and it's a great clever economic system where they can sell the oil i'm just going to reiterate this again they can sell their products at such a price that undercuts their competitors while still making a profit for themselves and all of Eastern Europe was reliant on Russian oil and natural gas. Right. Okay. Their economies depended on Russia. Okay. Okay. So Putin has been threatening the rest of the Western world not to expand NATO while simultaneously on the international stage, there have been people who have been trying to investigate Putin's business dealings while still in the government if you want to talk about conflict of interest just go to the dictionary or go to wikipedia and there probably is or there should be a picture of vladimir putin whereas it's like he's been giving lucrative business deals to his friends and associates who gift back to him a cut of whatever it is that he makes well yeah crony capitalism at its finest flashback to or well in this case, flash forward to 1999. This is an article from Business Insider. How the 1999 Russian apartment bombings led to Putin's rise to power. And this was published right. on, in April 7th, 2021. And this, this is a video and a transcript that explains why it is that there were these 
these bombings in Russia. And Putin, who was a former KGB agent, led the investigation into who's been bombing these buildings in Russia. Well, he was he was already the Russian president by then. I think that this is when he was um, he was he was running for office and he was like coming in last. And there were all these bombings. He led the investigation and right, he was viewed but- as the hero in right. this situation and as soon as he became president then that started the second chechen russian war does that make any sense because right. and since then since then there's been overwhelming evidence that the russian secret service may have been the the behind the bombings because the plastics well, considering there was there was a uh an apartment building that they they did this showy arrest of three guys who were found bringing large sacks into the basement of this one building, and they arrested them. And they were three FSB agents. And initial reports said that these were, you know, bombers and they were being arrested. But then the head of the FSB said, no, this was just a training exercise. Okay. If that's the story you want to stick, Russia. Okay. <laughs> You want to stick with that? Well, why can't both be true? Why can't why can't both be true? That's right, Jay. Nonlinear thinking. Exactly. It was. It was a training exercise. They were trying to train the people on how to think. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I shouldn't be making light of it. I really should. We should not be making jokes about this, but you can imagine. We understand. Right. That you would like to speak badly and poorly of Supreme Leader. When I first moved out to uh, to Utah, my brother-in-law at the time brought us to Sundance Film Festival. Right. And uh, you were telling me we about saw this. this documentary about Putin's Russia. And in the film, there was um, it was like really shitty camera work because they had to film everything in quiet. Right. And they were talking to independent media people that were basically bloggers. Right. Who were getting information from people, from corrupt officials. They were bribing them and getting getting information. And they were making, these bloggers were making their money through foreign contacts, right? Except the problem with that is by getting their money through foreign contacts, the government knew exactly where the money was coming from and where it was going. Right. And it was at various points in the film, and I think it was like an hour and a half long, they were talking to these bloggers and and the bloggers would always mention about this other blogger they know of who has disappeared and they don't know where they are. Right. And then at the end of the film, there was a little like follow-up kind of thing where they showed you, uh, you know, like a headshot of each of the bloggers that they'd been interviewing. And next to it was so-and-so was killed in a mugging shortly after filming ended. Or... This person has disappeared um, as of X date. No one has heard from them in three weeks or a year or something like that. Every single blogger that was blogging about Putin in a negative way that they interviewed, every single one was had disappeared. Yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking. And, it and, really is. And I thought that you were going to get me the title <laughs> of that episode. I can't find it. I've been looking and I can't. 
fucking find what it you, what anyway. Did, what year did you did you go to the Sundance Film Festival? I believe it was 2012. All right, I'll, I'll I will try and help you find it later on because this is a we want to link back to this. But yeah, there's so much information out there about what happens to people who ask questions and accuses Putin and his administration of wrongdoing. Basi mm -hmm. So basically, basically, he has his throat around the country with one hand and the throat around the European economy on the other hand. This leads us to what happened back in 2016, whereas he came up with this provocation to go to war with Ukraine and try and annex two territories in Ukraine where there are ethnic Russian people who live there. And I'm, and, and I'm sure that we remember something about that, but it was kind of vague because it didn't involve us because we really right. didn't. What was going on at the time and nobody cared. Right. Because we were too busy dealing in 2016 was the election of uh, um, Bad Orange Man. Right. Bad. So we were we were being very narcissistic. Bad orange man versus the wicked witch of Chappaqua or Arkansas, <laughs> depending on how far back you want to go, right? Yep. And it was captivating in so many ways. Donald Trump was a train wreck, and Donald Trump was this amazing provocateur who enlisted the help of people like Roger Stone, and Russia or Russian secret agents hacked into the DNC server and leaked all of this information that we've talked about on this podcast and mm -hmm. leaked emails between John Podesta and the rest of his staff and basically proved that in 2016, the primary was rigged against Bernie Sanders and for Hillary Clinton. Right. And then Donna Brasile re released her book, which basically explained how it all happened. Right. And it's it's a powerful read. I've I've read this book or I've listened to the audible version on many occasions while doing the yard work. It's a powerful read. Hillary Clinton is not a nice person. She doesn't care about you. She doesn't give a fuck about your family, your health, your well-being or your daughter's right to choose. She doesn't fucking care about you. She will play lip service to all of these causes or whatever she'll talk a good game but when it comes right down to it it's all about her and her image and whether or not she can weasel into certain offices whether it's the president of the united states or um secretary of state or whatever mm -hmm. she's an opportunist they are all opportunists all of them Donald Trump is an opportunist. Bernie Sanders is an opportunist. Think of a politician over the past 70 years. They are all opportunists in some way, shape, or form, with some exceptions. Maybe right. there's 1%. I'm going to give you 1% so you can sleep at night thinking, well, my favorite politician isn't an opportunist. They're all opportunists for different ways. You show me a politician. I will show you a crazy lawyer with delusions of grandeur and a severe narcissistic complex. I promise you. Right. Okay. Right. You look at women like Jean Shaheen and Maggie Hassan, senators from New Hampshire, batshit crazy narcissists. Okay. 
Yeah. What Donna Brazil's book did was tell her version of the story where she had a come to Jesus moment. Whereas we're all like that. Whatever whatever you accuse of the Republicans are, are doing, the Democrats are doing. And whatever the Republicans accuse the Democrats are doing, they're doing it. Okay? We're, and we're, yep. we're not just dealing with politicians. We're dealing with human beings. Right. We're dealing with this guy, Vladimir Putin, who has some se- severe inadequacy issues where somehow he got into power and he's able to use the press to manipulate people thinking like somehow he's like a sex god, like somehow he's a real virile man who rides on horseback without a shirt. And he has somebody who does his makeup, somebody who um, helps him with uh, a personal trainer. He has somebody who is his dietitian. He has all of these people who do nothing but help him with his image, his his public image. And he somehow got into power by means of which we have already talked. Former KGB agent had dirt on so many other people and was corrupt was able to manipulate the media, no wonder he's the president of Russia or whatever the fuck they call the supreme leader, supreme chancellor in Russia. Mm. And by the way, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm drinking some coffee out of my Zazzle mug that you can buy for yourself at zazzle.com slash Chronicles. And it makes coffee at the end of the world during an atomic Armageddon taste even better. Mm. Oh yeah, that's good. Hey, by the way, Che, um, how's your rum in those um, um, Zazzle shot glasses? You know, I do have to say I'm rather fond of them. I'm actually not using a shot glass this morning because, you know, stress. Yep. I'm actually using my Zazzle mug. All right. <laughs> so that's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. So anyway, um, we really shouldn't joke about that because we could all die within the next. <laughs> we could be waiting well, by the mailbox and. Well, here's here's the thing, though. Um, first of all, humor is always important, especially in stressful situations. It takes the edge off, right? Right. But getting to where we are now, what changed from 2016 to 2022? Look up on DuckDuckGo or any other search engine results that you choose to use and look up Vladimir Putin brain tumor. He's really doing it, folks. Of course I am. You can hear the clickety, clickety, click, 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 click. Because every, everybody agrees that something oh. has happened in the past couple of months that has made it's, something happen with Putin. Go ahead, Jay. So here's, here's the results, right? Um, Pelosi and Putin, some people say he has cancer. That's from the Daily Wire. The Sun UK, does Putin have cancer? Market realist. Dot com. Does Russian President Vladimir Putin have a brain tumor? Russia, Yahoo. Russian President has features of a brain tumor. What kind of cancer does Vladimir Putin have? On TheAncestry.com, which, you know, sounds like a really valid news site. TheSun.com. Putin is battling cancer as well as Parkinson's. Metro UK, Vladimir Putin's brain scrambled by isolation. Newsweek, Megan McCain says everything father told her about Putin. So showbizcorner.com, does Putin have cancer? Really? Showbiz Corner? Yeah, okay. Okay. And then you, the you... Daily Mail in the UK says Vladimir Putin underwent surgery for cancer in February. So, okay. 
that is something I didn't know. Because prior to that, I didn't, I didn't, the only thing different, and this is new information, so prior to learning this mm-hmm. two minutes ago, the only thing that made sense to me is he was looking for a worthy adversary, right? Because when Obama was president, he wasn't pushing shit. You know, he would he would do things and Obama could bring international pressure to bear on Putin. Yeah. Right. Obama had that um, foreign policy savvy that, let's be honest, Biden does not. Biden is just tone deaf on it or the people supporting him or whatever. Um, whereas Donald Trump was an alpha male like Putin is, right. and they would look at each other and stare each other down, you know, right. and, and if anyone out there is thinking, well, of course they are, they're friends. That's about as real, has much to do with reality as Lord of the Rings does. It is complete and total fabrication. We've gone over this before. Remember that. Right. But Putin saw a commonality with Donald Trump in that they're both narcissistic alpha males. Right. Right. Joe Biden does not have the political savvy that Barack Obama did. Right. He doesn't have the alpha male narcissism that Donald Trump has. No, not at all. Joe Biden has done a lot to destroy the U.S.'s foreign policy and our allies' confidence in the U.S. Yeah, we need to address that. That's also part of the show. That's something that we also have to talk about. Right. And what it boils down to is I'm looking at here and let me give you this. I came across this um, this article, which has a timeline of how did we get here? Right. Yeah. It talks about the Ukraine, the Russia-Ukraine conflict timeline. And it starts with Ukraine applies to initiate ties with NATO in 2008. Yeah. And leads us all the way up to February 12th. Yeah. And I have to say, reading through this, you can see where you can actually see if you, especially if you remember who was president when, right? Right. In 2008, who was president? George Herbert. Yeah. George Bush was president in 2008. He wasn't. Um, Until 2009, January of 2009. Right. Then after that was Barack Obama. Yeah. Right. And you can see in the timeline from up to 2014, right, from 2010 to 2014, you can see where he's making, taking steps. He being Putin. Putin is taking steps. He's putting, amassing people out on the, um, on the border with Ukraine. He's trying to modify ties. So Putin has wanted Ukraine for a while. Right. Okay. Anyone who's been paying attention knows this. And it's really convenient to have it laid out like this. This is from Republic Worlds. So I don't know anything about them, but take that with a grain it's a of good, salt. It's a, good, it's a good article right? that explains to you how they think the situation has all played out. Because let's also remember here, I, yep. I want to be absolutely, totally, perfectly clear on this issue. Nobody knows what's really going on inside Putin's mind. I don't even think Putin really knows what's going on inside his mind because he is absolutely, totally crazy. Because a week ago, he ordered the shelling and the hostile takeover of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And since then, radiation levels are... Wait a second. Yeah. The... the Chernobyl nuclear power plant that they build another Chernobyl? 
there was four nuclear reactors at Chernobyl. Yeah. But after the accident, I thought they shut down the other three. Well, he, the site of the Chernobyl power plant sits in the exclusion zone near a 19-mile radius, according to the International Atomic Energy Agency. All reactors of the site are now closed, but some remained active as late as the year 2000. Radioactive isotopes still linger, albeit at tolerable levels for limited exposure at times. So that you have so this there are un- live reactors. Yeah, but for whatever reason, last week... Vladimir Putin wanted to take control of the Chernobyl power plant and the surrounding area. Why? Well, and there is that's as there, that's as confusing and as worrying as their bombing and attempt to take over of the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. Do you want to read that news story, Jay? All right. So this is from the Sun Co. UK where there are currently two different outfits stalking the... Uh, wait a minute. That was not the link I clicked on, damn it. Don't you hate it when that uh, happens? Yes, I do. Uh, here's another one. Okay, so here's from Fox News. The head of IAEA updates attack on nuclear power plant. No radiation release. Reactors not compromised. Rafael Mariano Grassi, Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, confirmed in a press conference from Vienna, Austria, that a a training facility building at the nuclear power plant in Ukraine was hit by a Russian projectile and Ukrainian firefighters extinguished the ensuring fire. This is the Zaporizhia. Zaporizhia. Take a shot because I can almost... Italian dish, doesn't it? I can almost guarantee you that Jay mispronounced... That word. So oh, take absolutely. a shot. Oh, I'm 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 very sure of that. We are fortunate there was no release of radiation, and the integrity of the reactors was not compromised. Um, yep. Said in the press conference, "Time for action. We need to do something about this." From CNN, management at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Enerhodar is now working at gunpoint. The company that runs said the company that runs the power station. Petro Koten, head of the state-owned nuclear power generator Energoatom, said on Telegram that Russian forces entered the territory of the nuclear power plant, took control of the personnel and management of the nuclear power plant. Koten said staff were admitted in the morning to perform their duties. He said the company does not have a direct connection to the station and is getting information from sources there. He said that the nuclear reactors at the plant, six reactors at the plant, have fuel in each of them, while pre-reactor pools are storing spent nuclear fuel, the irradiated byproduct of the reactors. He said if the nuclear facilities were hit by shelling, it could lead to nuclear disaster. I saw a tweet yesterday that said if these reactors get blown up, it will be ten times what Chernobyl was. Yeah, you would literally have to evacuate most of Europe. Yeah, if if the if one of those reactors is struck by a bomb an explosive, that an explosive, it. Yeah. an explosive device, and this is it's just horrifying. It's te- it's terrifying. You know, this is a different kind of. I mean, this is it. That is basically a dirty bomb. It's the largest right. dirty bomb you could possibly imagine. Right. And it would take out, depending on the weather patterns and everything, it could take out all of Europe. It could take out everything. Well, let's take let's take a look at a map of where the hell Ukraine is, right? Because winds shift all the time, Jay. 
Yeah, and I'm not sure where in that part of the world what the the trade patterns are. Generally speaking, uh, trade winds move east to west, but not always. So where is I wonder how many other people are looking up wind patterns in Ukraine right now. (laughs) Okay, so Ukraine is just north of the Black Sea by Moldova, Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Russia. Belarus. So let's look up where in Ukraine Chernobyl is. Oh, what's what was the name of that city that it was in? Oh my God, Jay, you're killing me here. Enerhodar. Yeah. Right. So we're looking up Enerhodar, Ukraine. So that's pretty. That's actually pretty far into Ukrainian border. Yeah. You know, Russia probably came in because the the border that ukraine shares with russia is predominantly on the east it starts in the north goes over the entire eastern part of the country and then goes into um well the, there's the black sea but then there's the part of the black sea i could have sworn it had a different name but anyway um if you look at the black sea it's kind of kidney shaped and in the north eastern north north by northeastern section there is a, a sizable body of water there. And that's probably how they got in, is they went in through that way, because that would be shorter land to cover rather than cutting across what looks like about a third of the country. So, yeah, this is, I mean, they're not exaggerating when they say that this is a full-on invasion. Oh, yeah. You know? And this is this is horrifying. People are being displaced. And what does Russia hope to get from this? Even China hasn't been in support of this. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I heard on the news as I was pulling into the driveway after taking care of the Pony Palace is that China has now suspended all business dealings with, with, Russia. with, with, with Russia. Now, here's another interesting side effect, right? I happen to know that there are private corporations that are ending business with Russian-owned companies. Yeah, That's not being done at the request of the federal government. That's just private companies deciding to do this. That's going to have an effect on Russia and how they react to overtures from governments at this point. Well, Russia could, for the short foreseeable future, not the long-term foreseeable future, but for the short term, they could be self-sufficient. Because, like I said, Russia occupies the largest landmass in all of Europe and Asia. Yeah, but at the same time, though, much of that is under the, the, the polar ice cap, the Arctic ice cap. There's they're, a lot of it that's, uh, that's under. They're, go- that. they're going to be in severe trouble when they run out of food, because in the past couple of decades, there have been food shortages in Russia where they have had crop failures. Back in the late 60s, there was crop failure. In Russia, they were not able to produce any wheat. And rather than sell our surplus wheat to Russia, the American president, I can't remember who it was at the time, thought we'll we'll dump it into the ocean first before we sell it to Russia. Russia, Russia's also been stockpiling, Jay. They've been stockpiling. Yeah, they have. Yeah, but is this, again, what does Putin hope to achieve? I know he's been we've heard that he wants to be, rebuild the glory days of Russia of the Russian Empire during the Cold War, right? With the Eastern Bloc nations and 
basically Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Belarus, and a good chunk of Ukraine anyway, if not all of Ukraine, were effectively part of the Soviet Union, right, back in those days, as was Georgia, um, parts of Kazakhstan. That was all that was all Soviet Union back in the day, back in the 80s, you yeah. know, when you and I were hiding under our desks in those air raid drills. Right. So what does he think he's getting from this? Now, I understand Ukraine has, you know, the, the largest nuclear power plant in, in Europe, I understand they have a lot of natural resources and things like that. Right. Um, most of which have been not utilized properly or to their full effect because of mismanagement. Corruption. Um, well, yeah, but Ukraine's been out from underneath the Russian thumb for 30, 40 years. Yeah, but there, I mean, we did a series of episodes over the past couple of years talking about corruption in Ukraine. Right. Especially. With with Joe Biden, with Joe Biden and His Hunter son. Biden making millions of dollars doing who the fuck knows what while working right. for Ukraine. Who who knows what he was doing when he was in, right. in, in Ukraine? But my thing, my my point is that that's Ukrainian corruption that you can't really blame that on Russia. Russia is oh, no, probably no. part of the reason why they're corrupt, but it's their own mismanagement as well as Russian. Right. So Russia's not going to manage those resources any better than Ukraine did, if history is any indicator, and it usually is. So what does Putin hope to gain? He's he's done more damage to Russian foreign relations than Joe Biden has done to U.S. foreign relations, which is substantial. Yes. So what does he hope to gain from this? What is his point? What is why does he why is he doing this? I have to ask. Is this a rhetorical question? Do you think no. do you think that I have the answer to this? Because I don't think I don't think I'm asking the question because I think it needs to be asked and people need to be thinking about this. What is going on that he thinks he can do this? And you can't say it's because he has cancer because he's been pushing for this since 2010. I don't it's think there's 12 years he's been pushing and creating this situation and he's been creating it very intentionally. We've got the timeline. To look at right so what why is he after ukraine so badly that he's willing to risk it the official story jay is that he's had enough of the west the yeah the western world encroaching on his territory but it's not his territory it's a separate fucking country he believes that the former soviet satellite states are the rightful property of Russia, and I I know it sounds insane, and there are people who see that out of touch of, with reality, though. Because if so, he's been that out of touch with reality for at least a decade. Is that an adequate answer? If I gave you that as an answer, could you accept that? I could accept that that's what you believe, or that's what the prevailing thought process is, but it still doesn't make any sense. Has he been that batshit crazy for ten years, for twelve years? Has there ever been a time when he wasn't batshit crazy? Well, yes. If you read, like, if you look up that um, that article you were talking about, the, the Business Insider article about the 1999 Russian apartment bombings, those are not the actions of a madman. Those are the actions of a powerful man who seeking to consolidate more power to himself, right? This is a guy who has no care for life 
of anyone that he doesn't directly care about. That makes sense. I may not like it. I may think it's evil, but it's not the actions of a madman. It's the actions of a desperate, power-hungry man, right? And he's flexing his power. He was the new president of Russia or soon-to-be president of Russia, and he was seeking to consolidate his power, get enough power that he can then ensure his presidency continues indefinitely. And that's what he's done. Completely, totally agree with you. Right? And I, and I That's not a madman. That's not like Hitler in World War II losing his mind over time. This is Hitler pre-World War II consolidating power. Right. His behavior now echoes that of Hitler in the 1930s. Right. Now, here's the other thing. And, and I'm kind of hesitant to bring this up because we we're already, what, like 45 minutes in? <laughs> well, yeah, we're, 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 we've been recording for 53 minutes. Okay. So here's the other thing. The reaction from our media, from Europe, from both political parties in the United States is strangely uniform. Oddly enough. And also, by the way, when was the last time you saw somebody wearing a COVID mask? Oh, Joe Biden lifted those restrictions just before he went and did his State of the Union address. Oh, by the way, that, remi that reminds me, I owe you a bottle of, of, of rum because I said that he wouldn't be in office by the time the, it, um, yeah, the State of the Union. Yeah, he said he wasn't going to make the State of the Union. Yeah, I owe you a bottle of rum. Yay. When you coming out to deliver? I expect hand delivery. Oh, oh okay. All right. <laughs> So I can procrastinate a little longer. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We also have to talk about finding wild adventure sometime, but not today. Yep. The, right. the, the problem has been exasperated by the fact that we cut our own oil production. We stopped the Keystone XL pipeline. Oh, we stopped. The reason why the gas prices went up is we stopped not just he stopped two or three major pipelines and he stopped all shale drilling. Right. Yeah. The, the basically North Dakota. He just basically shit on North Dakota's um, economics, their economies in the shitter because he decided to just end it all. Right. And that's that's what he did. That's why our gas prices are up. And anyone who thinks otherwise needs to actually look into it because that's what he did. Yes. Two years ago, we were paying little over two dollars a gallon for gas and now we're close to four dollars a gallon for gas yep since biden became president look into it that's his fault those are his policies that's the reaction of his policies that's the market reaction and now russia by the way for people who are forgetting is part of opec it's funny how we forgot that right and he's biden's claiming that opec won't be more barrels of oil because they don't fucking need to. We can produce <laughs> our they? own. Why would they? Right. Why would, why would they want to increase production to lower our prices? Right. They have no reason to do that. We've already shown that we don't need them. So they're like, fine, <laughs> do whatever you want. The only way that this is all falling on Biden. Right. So now you take all of that and throw that into this mix with this international policies. Putin is looking at Biden as a weak leader. Because he is with the way he pulled out of Afghanistan, all of the way he abandoned allies that we had in Afghanistan, all of our other allies are looking at all of that and going, shit, there is not a lot of influence that Biden has that people are taking seriously on the international stage. There really isn't. 
Putin is doing this move in now, at least in part anyway, because he can't, because he thinks the U.S. can't do anything to stop him or won't do anything to stop him. Our military leaders have no confidence in Joe Biden's leadership. The irony, though, is I'm hearing from some of the veterans I know who know people that are currently over there in the military. They're saying that a lot of the Russian military is abandoning their posts. They'll go in and then abandon their posts. And some of the people who are abandoning their posts are telling, well, they're, um, they're, what, what do they call it when, when someone leaves Russia and then goes over to the United States? They do, de- well, you're, you're talking Thank defecting? You. Yeah. Yeah. We've, they've had a number of people defect and they've said the only reason why we're doing, the military's doing this is because Russia has basically told them, we have your families. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, the Russians are fighting the way they are. The soldiers don't want to be there, from what I'm hearing anyway. And it's anecdotal, so take right. that with a block of salt. We're hearing stories about Russian soldiers giving up and abandoning their vehicles. Because because they're not well supplied. They're not getting adequate food and fuel for their tanks. This is this was they were told that when they go in, the people of Ukraine would be welcoming them with open arms and they walk in and they're being shot at and stuff. And they're like, fuck this. This is what I was told. Yeah. So this is this. This whole situation is so fucked up. Right. You've got Vladimir Putin, who's trying to show off what a. You know, he's trying to appease his own ego is my read of the situation anyway, because I don't see any other gain for him here. His closest ally is China and China starts stopping doing business with him. One of the worrying things I see is the private industry, private companies in the United States and Canada and the Americas starting to impose their own form of sanctions against Russian companies, which is not helpful. It really is not helpful, right? Now, if you're a believer in the Great Reset, this could be all part of that, right? The uniform message of our our media, Fox and CNN are, even in their opinion pieces, pretty close to lockstep or as close as those two ever will be, considering one's left wing and one's right wing. Yeah. This is – there's a very strong uniformity of response to this, and when I see that, I get worried. Well, let's not forget that over the course of the past two years, we've been talking about corruption in Ukraine and how their entire economic system is based upon corruption and graph and gracing the skids. And that there's a reason why we were concerned about what Hunter Biden was doing when he was working for the company Burisma, which is located in Ukraine. Yep. Okay. One of the things that a lot of other people have been talking about is that there are armed militias in Ukraine who are, in fact, true, unadulterated, undeniable neo-Nazis. And somehow this militia group is somehow being viewed by people on the West as the, quote, heroes. So we have everyday citizens in Ukraine who are taking up arms to fight the invaders. We have the invaders, Russia, and then we have this militant group, this militia group that is well armed, who are self-confessed, self-described neo-Nazis. Yep. This is a messy, gross situation, while at the same time, Putin is going after nuclear power plants. 
two of them that I know of so far, Chernobyl and this other one that I'm not going to try and pronounce because I don't want our listeners to get alcohol poisoning. (laughs) This is behavior of a madman. This is not something a normal person does, Jay. I agree with that, but I don't. I hesitate at the use of the word, the term madman. Well, I'm not sure what other word I can use to describe Putin's behavior. How about asshole? Well, <laughs> how about in we split the difference and call him an insane asshole? I don't think he's insane, though. You do. Just re- because you- he doesn't think the same way we do does not mean that he has a mental disorder. Well, here's the okay? thing. And I- I'm not saying this to be fucking, you know politically correct or anything like that, right? I'm saying this because it becomes an excuse. Hitler was insane. That's how you get people who sympathize with what Hitler did, is to give them the excuse of he's sick. Putin isn't sick. Okay. He's evil. Let me get personal here for a second here, Jay. Sure. My mother's boyfriend, during the early to mid-80s, Joseph Jouer was about as close as a closeted neo-Nazi as you can get. When we were all having dinner. Closeted, but yeah. Right. (laughs) When we were sitting down at the table, he would have these, quote, rational conversations with my brother, my sister, and I about why Hitler was on the right track and why Hitler was well within his rights to kill Jews, gays, communists, and blacks. And if you listen to him long enough in a vacuum and not allowed to go out and read for yourself what actually happened in history, you could you could find yourself being brainwashed. Oh, easily. Easily. If if you are like say 12 and this charismatic father figure comes into your home, showers you and your mom and your brother and sister with gifts and pretends to or convinces you that he only cares about what's best for you and wants to be the dad you never had and then starts talking about racial cleansing and he had this for a 14 year old it was a convincing argument on why we should exterminate the gays because it's the gays who are spreading aids And if it wasn't for the gays, we wouldn't have AIDS because it's only the gays who are swapping HIV back and forth and then polluting the blood bank. And when you're 13 or 14 years old, this almost kind of makes sense. Right. But then the older that you get and the more that you read what's going on out in the world and you talk to your history teachers and your English teachers and says, my boy, my mom's boyfriend says this. And not only, not only that, he's also distributing porn to, uh, to me and other kids around in the neighborhood and doing all sorts of kind of weird shit. And he's also a pedophile. Right. And it was just like, Vladimir Putin is getting on the television and they only have three or four stations on the television and you well, have they really only have one just presented three or four different ways right because they control the like china russia controls all of yeah. the media you have this guy who goes on television with his weekly address and says i love you i love you more than anybody else ever will i love you 
more than your spouse, your parents, or your children ever will. I am looking out for you, and the rest of the world wants to exterminate you because we're different. And that's all you hear, and you're not allowed to listen to other sides of the argument. America is horrible in so many different ways, but the one thing that we get right is that we're, for the time being anyway, we allow this this conversation to go back and forth. Right. I can I can say my mother's boyfriend was fuck certifiably fucking crazy and he was convinced that he was right. Maybe he's a nar- maybe he was a um, sociopath, a narcissist or who, maybe a diagnosis I've never heard of. And by the way, I I shouldn't be dispensing psychological evaluations. I'm a fucking podcaster who talks about drinking too much and the paranormal and conspiracy theories. Okay, I know who and what I am, but the idea that he put the entire nation's nuclear defense on ready status, he had his troops try and take over Chernobyl for reasons I can only is he is he going after the uranium, the soiled uranium to make dirty bombs or other atomic bombs? Is he going after this other nuclear power plant so that he can control the flow of energy or is he going to use the new the the nuclear rods in that atomic power plant for other nefarious reasons i can say jay and this is not an excuse this is terrifying he is Mm -hmm. he is insane and if he can't be the savior of the world then he's going to destroy it that's what I think is going on inside his rotten melon. Yeah, I, I still hesitate to use the word insane again because it gives him an excuse. It gives him some level of forgiveness. I really I – I just don't like I, it. I, I, think, I don't. Th- I think I, he's – I totally disagree I, I honestly with you. think uh, – that's fine. <laughs> no, no. I, no. I honestly think though that he's, he's evil. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Why, GJ, I've never thought of that before. <laughs> because for, for the thing is is that it's like maybe this is an argument for a much longer podcast can you be sane and evil can you be mentally well and still be evil because i don't care if he has a mental illness what he's doing is wrong his actions are evil granted right. he says he's been provoked by the rest of the uh, western world with the expansion of NATO. Nazi said this. Uh, Nazi Germany said the same thing. Okay. I think that Hitler was both insane and unforgivable. Because plenty of people with mental illness can say, oh my God, I'm wrong. I need to stop. I need to get help. I think that it's like if you're mentally ill and you have a proclivity of just being evil, that's not forgivable. Pedophiles who say they have an illness are not forgivable when they rape children. Same difference. I I think that you can be mentally ill and still unredeemable. But that's me. I'm different because I'm crazy that way. <laughs> that way. I don't think you get a pass for being mentally ill. It's it's sort of like it, it's if a rabid dog goes out and bites and mauls a whole bunch of other children, you still fucking put that dog down. Right. I see what I see what you're saying. It yeah, did, I. I it, it doesn't matter if whether or not he is mentally ill or not. His actions are evil and he should be stopped for doing what he's doing. Right. And that's 
that's that's the thing. The the only my reservations about this whole thing have nothing to do with thinking we shouldn't stop him. We absolutely should, right? If for no other reason than he's, he's he has evil intent for the citizens of another country, he's displaced thousands of people from their homes. We have no idea what the death toll is, but one death is one too many when it's doing when it's just being pushed by an evil person with evil intent, right? We need to stop him. The thing yeah. that worries me is in our stopping him, are we somehow um, opening ourselves up for something more dangerous in the future? That is an, a serious question. And that's that, really that my concern. Because by by obviously we have to put an end to what Putin is doing. Right. Without a doubt, we have to put an end to what Putin is doing. But by stopping him, are we somehow going to provoke a future evil mad dictator? I don't know. And I don't know. It's like if you if you can or you should second guess yourself, because if you second guess yourself too often, you run the risk of being ineffective and just driving yourself crazy. Right. I mean, that for me, constantly second guessing myself has caused anxiety. If we look right. at if we look at every new charismatic leader that is rising to power anywhere in the world. And we said, oh, we should stop this guy because he might become the next Hitler or the next Putin. That's that's going to lead to mass hysteria. I, I don't know what we should do about Putin other than stopping him. But I here this gets back to the other thing that we were talking about earlier. Sanctions are not going to do shit for a long time. For as long as we keep buying oil and natural gas from Russia. And the and those are not being touched by any of the sanctions. No, because our State re- Department has announced that. And that's just not how is that how is that a good thing? How is that helpful at all? We are going to impose sanctions except for the ones that are really gonna hurt him because you know right. we don't want to be mean. Right. Oh no, we don't we don't want to do that to him. We don't want to punish that the country. That would just be mean. We don't want to punish the country by doing that. Right. And you have people that say that, you know, they're like, you know, sanctions don't really hurt the government. They hurt the people more than they hurt the government. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yes, that's true. But short of violence, what do you suggest? What would you have us do? Right. I mean, seriously, because the thing is that it was just we should we should be boosting our own production to make up the difference when we stop importing oil and natural gas from Russia and be producing so much that we can make up the difference in Europe, who is also doing the same thing. Right. Because for the past year, Russia was making billions of dollars a day on oil and natural gas exports, where they were able to build up a um, a war chest. And because of our inaction and the way that we abandoned Afghanistan, Russia thinks that it can now go after Ukraine and China is now licking its chops, looking at Taiwan. Right. And that's our reaction to this is going to dictate the actions of evil people with evil intent in the future. And so far, our reactions have been we need more sanctions, which is what they're using as an excuse to do what they've done so far. I don't want to have troops on the ground. I really don't. But. This is the clearly the sanctions are not working the way. No, (laughs) we've been thinking or intending them to work. No, they're not working. 
and they're not going to work because the thing is, if you keep buying oil and natural gas and other natural resources from Russia, there's only going to embolden them. It's only going yeah. to embolden Putin. Like I'm really, Absolutely. I'm, I'm really freaking mad at the Girl Scouts. I'm, I'm going to hurt the Girl Scouts where it really hurts them the most, but I'm still going to buy their Girl Scout cookies. Right. Seriously, think about that. Of course, they're going to still buy their cookies. Let's not be crazy. Let's not go. I mean, let's not get insane here. Right. Because you can only buy Thin Mints one time out of the year. Right. I mean, getting and, and I'm, I'm looking at the time. I don't know how much time you have left. And we're almost I got about 20 minutes. You got about 20 minutes looking at how the world is reacting to Russia. And everybody is saying this is horrible. We should do something about this. And the rest of the world is uniting against Russia makes me think that there is a foreseeable end to this. That's not going to lead to an atomic Holocaust since the entire right, which world. Is good. Yeah. Since the entire world, even China is now sanctioning Russia, everything but oil exports here's a question yeah could this be the end of putin see i don't want to make another prediction because i've already lost one bottle of crack and rum <laughs> and they should be a sponsor i need you to write them a letter jay <laughs> and ask them to be a sponsor because they're getting all this free publicity from us i'm serious right. take the take an hour write a letter to kraken and say please be a sponsor yeah we don't we don't need much just a couple hundred dollars a month right I don't want to make another prediction the way that I failed this other prediction. I was convinced that Biden was not going to make it to the State of the Union this month. And he did. He didn't do a very good job. I think he did a lousy job. I think that Joe Biden is has dementia and is demented. Yeah. And I think that Biden is the byproduct of 60 years of a failed political system. And I mean that sincerely. I think that Biden is the direct result of a failed political system here in the United States. Getting off track here. Yeah. I made the prediction that Joe Biden would not make it to this year's State of the Union, which he obviously did. I could make a prediction and say that Putin could be assassinated or apprehended and imprisoned by his own people because of his erratic behavior by the end of the month. I think that we're actually going to have to start seeing people in Russia in severe pain before we see that happening. Which is very, very shitty. I, I mean, I could be more more polite and say that's unfortunate, but it's shitty. People are going to be hurt. People have already been hurt and killed. Yeah, that's just, yeah. I think the hardest part for me is thinking about this through the perspective of a father of two young men who are going to be 20 and 18 this summer. Yeah. Okay. If there is going to be a draft, they're probably going to take my sons first because they're in really good shape and they're not dumb. Um, and I'm worried about them not coming back home. I'm terrified because yeah. I remember what it was like growing up in the eighties. And I'm going to end the show by saying this and allow you to commiserate. When we were growing up in the 1980s, we knew every day that today could be the day. Today could be the day that there's some kind of an accident, whereas all the nukes could be launched all of a sudden, 
or tensions could rise spontaneously that would cause a, a nuclear war. 1983 was probably the worst year with the rising escalation of tensions with Russia and Washington, D.C. when Ronald Reagan was in office. We knew at any day could be our last day. And I remember like the day after New Year's. Is this going to be the year? Is this going to be the year that that the world is destroyed in atomic holocaust? And this yeah. went on. This went on from as far back as I remember, as far back as 1974. I remember first hearing older kids talk about nuclear war when we were living in Westgate in West Brattleboro. And this is a topic of conversation. I remember that there was a fifth grade teacher or sixth grade teacher who was talking about, and and this was crazy. This was Brattleboro, Vermont. So take this with a grain of salt. We had a sixth grade teacher, cannot remember his name, used to talk about biblical prophecy and (laughs) and how what we saw in the news with the assassination of um, the Egyptian king back in, I think it was 1980 or 81 that was going that that's part that's part of the biblical prophecy we had we had a a, um we had someone who used to sit with us or take care of us during the summer of 1980-81 sarah who used to talk about we're all gonna fucking die we might as well just enjoy every day as if it's the last which is a weird thing to tell a a, a 12 year old (laughs) okay right Let's start drinking now. What the fuck? I'm, you know, I, I may not even reach the Don't age worry of about 18. getting cancer. Smoke that cigarette. You're right. not going to live that long anyway. Right. You know, drink now or forever hold your peace. Um, yep. And that you would watch the news and something horrible would happen somewhere in the news. And, and like Russia invading Afghanistan. People were like, oh, my God, this is going to lead to World War Three. This is going to end with an, a, a nuclear holocaust. Oh, my God. Russia is fleeing Afghanistan. This is going to lead to an <laughs> atomic Holocaust. Right. And then Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Like we th- like we thought that tr- if Chernobyl got worse, which it almost did, Chernobyl could have caused the entire evacuation of southern Europe or, th- or, or at least all of southeastern Europe. Every single day, there was like, is this the day? Is this the day? Is this the day? And there was this frustration of, of knowing you're not going to live a full life because somebody is going to push the button and destroy everything. The fall, right. of the, so- the fall of the Soviet Union occurred. And the biggest thing that we had to worry about was, what about all of these other weapons and weapons programs that the Soviets abandoned in all of their satellite nations? What 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 about the biological warfare that Russia was cooking up in the places like Iraq? And this caused a lot of anxiety and mental health problems for the kids who grew up, ex-generations who grew up during the 70s and 80s. And and I was so grateful that that disappeared. That problem seemed to disappear until 9-11. And the worst thing we had to worry about was Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. And what would happen if the Taliban got a hold of a nuclear nuclear bomb or nuclear material? Right. We were worried about the dirty bombs right. scenario. I hate to say this, but I think that it's, it's inevitable. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy 
that wants to come true because we are insane, hairless apes with the proclivity for death and destruction and mayhem. It's almost to the point where, and I got to be careful how I say this. It's almost as if we are like collectively saying, you know, fuck it. Let's just get it done and over with. It's kind of an awful thing to say and think, but let's just, let's just live life to the fullest every single day and just try and pretend this, that this anxiety inducing event is not actually happening. Yeah. Cause I wonder what kind of, what kind of person would I be if it wasn't for this constant anxiety over the atomic Holocaust? Well, and it's an, it's an anxiety that we've carried since childhood. Like I said, I, re- I remember I remember doing drills where you hit under the desks, you know, in elementary school. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but where I grew up, we were there was an Air Force base. There was two Air Force bases within 30 miles of my home. So the assumption was if they're going to drop a nuke, they're going to aim for the military targets. And that there's two of them within 30 miles. There's no way where I lived was not going to be affected by nuclear fallout if in such a scenario. And for some reason, the magical power of that cheap-ass aluminum desk with a plywood top is going to stop me from dying right away, right? I mean, that was something we lived with as children. That's what it meant to be a Cold War kid. The evil boogeyman of of Russia and the KGB and the Soviet Union, as we called it then, the USSR was the boogeyman that was... They were hiding underneath your bed. They were spying on you. That was the heyday of the the spy novels and spy movies like James Bond, you know? You lived with that. You lived with that threat. You know, and kids today have anxiety over, you know, my internet went out. It's like, we didn't even have the internet. Shut the fuck up. Is, is Russia getting ready to bomb you? No. Then fucking have a coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. You know, it's... Seeing Russia invading Ukraine and acting like this, I can't use any other word other than evil to describe it. It's bringing back memories of what it was like to live on the one hand carefree as a child, but on the other hand having this dark cloud of a nuclear war that would destroy all human life on Earth in the course of 20 years. Remember, because he used to tell us that. Yeah. Well, the people in South America and Africa and Australia are going to live longer because it's going to take longer for the radiation to seep through down there. And their lives are going to be, you know, are going to be horribly changed because of the way it's going to affect the weather patterns. I mean, these were things that they taught us in school. Yeah. That was all part of our nuclear of our, our school curriculum was this, you know, the consequences of nuclear fallout, you know. So it's no surprise to me that. When the kids who grew up were in their twenties, early thirties, or the twenties and thirties, I should say, because a generation. But when nine eleven happened, our reaction was, "Go kill those fuckers!" Yeah, you know. And now that you know, you know the the people who were adults during that time frame are getting on in years, and Putin's doing this. They're like, "Are you fucking kidding yeah. me?" You know. I am glad and heartened that this is being universally reviled in the international community. Yeah. I am concerned that the media, all of the media in our country right now is lockstep about this. Cause I'm, I'm remembering how lockstep we were in 2001 and how short lived that ended up 
being. But I also remember how, as a result of that, we ended up with the Patriot Act, which was, regardless of what anyone tells you, a bipartisan effort. Yep. Democrats and Republicans both supported it. Both sides now say it's the other side's fault, but the truth was they both did it. And many of those people are still in office. Nancy Pelosi, for example. Um, what's his name? The Republican in the Senate there. Uh, oh, there's so many of them. <laughs> right. I mean, they're all, they were all a part of it. Yeah. And they all stood up and applauded with the only with it. the only exception of Ron Paul. Let, let's just be right. clear of that. Right. Ron Paul didn't like it because he's a libertarian. He's like, we shouldn't be getting involved in wars anywhere. But and he also saw the potential that turned out to be true. Yeah. But yeah, other than him, they all voted for it. If they were in Congress at the time, it was pretty much universal dangerous things happen when everyone agrees and that's my worry about this universal condemnation within our own media yeah so and we could get into conspiracy theories for that'd be the next episode though oh that would have to be a next episode because the thing is, yeah, is that it's like as crazy as, as crazy as it sounds it's like i mean i love talking about conspiracy theories but oh holy shit i have got to take a fucking break from all of this <laughs> I'm going to have a hard enough time editing this. Jay, this was a, a really great thought provoking show. And I'm, I'm glad I was able to do it with you. Uh, and I'm not afraid to, uh, I'm not afraid to say that uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the next week or the next month with the way that things are escalating. I'm just, I'm just reading the news right now that the new um, from Fox news, Ukrainian nuclear authority gives update on Zephronia power plant, which is now in Russian hands. Yeah. Uh, um, and if I mispronounce that, um, take a shot. But um, I, I hope I can talk to you next week. <laughs> I hope we I get hope to do so another too. show. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions and if it's any good we promise we will read your comment on the air support the show by contributing to our patreon page patreon.com slash fedora chronicles for a mere dollar a month you get early access to the podcast updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. 
On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King-Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>